I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. SpaghettiOs. It's the nothing personal word of the day. We came up with it. SpaghettiOs. Sing it with me. You can do it. Ready? Uh oh, SpaghettiO. I think that's how it goes. Remember those things in a can that you eat? Well, the real word of the day is uh oh. Uh oh. Remember in Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman when he does something wrong or something goes wrong? He says, uh oh. 10 minutes till Wapner. Well, we have an uh-oh situation in the National Football League. Word has come out today that Stefan Gilmore has tested positive for COVID-19. Why is this significant? Other than the fact that Stefan Gilmore is maybe the best defensive player in on the Patriots, maybe in football, defensive back. Maybe it's significant because Stefan Gilmore <clears throat> was seen after the Patriots Chiefs game last week. Remember, that was the game that was delayed because Cam Newton tested positive, and then they took the COVID plane and the non-COVID plane to play the Chiefs. I know you remember that. We talked about it at some point on Nothing Personal. Well, Gilmore was seen fraternizing with the franchise, with the league, with the face, with the man, Patrick Mahomes. Are we worried Is the league worried? Let's do a status report. The NFL has sent out a multi-page memo outlining new COVID protocols. They talked about forfeits. They talked about discipline. They talked about fines. They talked about testing, enhanced testing, timing of testing. Why is this happening? Because they have an outbreak. And unlike baseball, where baseball somehow figured out, it took a minute but they figured out how to deal with the Marlins outbreak, got it wrong in the beginning, and then evolved into a plan that worked. Cardinals had the outbreak, was taken care of. No other teams had the outbreaks. There were individual positive tests throughout the MLB season, but there were no further outbreaks. So the NFL, you'd think, would have had an opportunity to know what to do. So the Titans have now had, it may be over 20 players and staff who have tested positive. They have a full-fledged outbreak. The Patriots, on the other hand, started with just a Cam Newton. Now they've got a Cam Newton and a Bill Murray. There's an actual football player named Bill Murray. He's on the Patriots taxi squad. I don't believe it's the actor. He's busy maybe promoting a new movie called On the Rocks that comes out October 23rd streaming. It's out in theaters right now. Not that anyone's going to theaters. I don't remember last time I went to theater. I don't know if I'll ever go to a theater again. Any case, two players on the Patriots. Positive. Now they've got Gilmore. So now, do the Patriots have an outbreak? They shut down practice for the Pats. The Titans are still shut down. And here we are on a Wednesday with game day coming up in four days. So what Roger Goodell has to do is meet with his competition committee 
and meet with the Players Association and figure out at what point does he shut down the season? The answer is, like baseball, that will not happen. Even when there were multi-teams with outbreaks and everyone was worried that MLB would shut it down, the media was saying that's it, game over, season over. No, the season will not be shut down. However, there is a scheduling issue that the NFL is going to have to deal with. They were, able to, they were able to screw around with the Vikings and the Titans and the Steelers and the Ravens, and they ended up working all that out with changes in week seven and week eight. Remember when baseball was sending out a new press release every day with new double headers and changes and postponements, and this team will play that team instead of this team? Remember the Yankees ended up playing the Blue Jays instead of the Orioles when they were supposed to play the Orioles? So if you looked at the at the schedule of games, the Yankees would be on twice. Yankees versus Blue Jays, 7 p.m. Yankees versus Orioles postponed. There was an old expression in my family. With one tuchus, you can't dance at two parties. Tuchus is tushy, meaning you can only be in one place at one time. You can only play one team at one time. There's no split squads like they have in spring training in baseball. So the NFL is going to have to decide Since we're not shutting down, do we take away the bye week after the NFC and AFC championships and add a week 18 to the regular season and use that week 18 as a makeup week for any teams who don't get to a 16-week schedule in a 17-week season? Because the Titans are in absolute danger, if not certainty of that. They're still in the midst of the outbreak. They had more positive tests today, which means the outbreak hasn't sort of worked its way through the clubhouse. Coca told me during our pregame preparation that in his never humble opinion, you need two days of practice before a game. You don't practice on travel day, which is Saturday. So if the Titans can't practice by tomorrow, Thursday, his view is the Titans cannot play Sunday. And my view is if the Titans have two positive tests today, there is zero chance. Zero. Look at me through the telescope, if you're watching on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel and you've hit the subscribe button, look at me, zero. So therefore, the Titans are not going to play this week if they don't get the two days of practice in that Coca says you have to get in before you can play. So now the Titans cannot play a 16-game season in 17 weeks. Therefore, NFL then decides, do we do what baseball did and say, if you can't get to the full 60 games, we're going to do it based on winning percentage. Now, that seems a little more fair in baseball after 60 games and not fair at all when you only have a 16-game season or a 15-game season in the Titans' case if their game is canceled. So it says here, the NFL will not go. I don't know why I keep using that expression. I think that's like three shows in a row, Coke. I'm not going to do that. Because when I say it says here, what does that mean? It doesn't say it in the document. It doesn't say it on the screen. I'm saying that the NFL is not going to go to a winning percentage as a way to determine playoff either seeding or whether you make it or not. They are going to have each team play 16 games other than teams who are playing each other in a potential added week 18 where there is absolutely no playoff implication. I would say those games should not be played. NFL will say we should play those because we're having 15 or 20 or 25% capacity. That's revenue even between two crap teams that the home team needs to have, that the industry needs to have. 
and the owners are saying, I'm not going to pay a player not to play 16 games if I'm not going to get even the little bit of revenue that I can get for it. From a broadcast standpoint, the national broadcasters are fine. They don't like the crap games in week 16. They flex actually to get games which matter. So if it's only games which matter in the last week, I should say week 18, which is a week that doesn't exist, but I'm saying it may exist. I don't think they'll have an issue with broadcasting. So I think the real solution is using that week 18 because the Titans are not going to play. The Patriots, in my opinion, are not going to play. And the reason why I've got the Patriots not playing is that if you still have players testing positive Wednesday, we know now, we know so much more about COVID-19. We know the reason why you have to wear a mask is because you could be spreading the disease to other people when you are the most contagious. When you are the most contagious is when you may not even have tested positive and you have no symptoms. Therefore, I may be spreading this right now to the computer to Coca through the microphone. So the Patriots are testing positive still, even if they have a full team test negative tomorrow, which is what the NFL has been doing. They've been saying, hey, test negative and you're good to go. I get that. But the reason why there's contact tracing is that even a negative test does not obviate the need for a quarantine. So another rule change that has to happen, Coca, and I did not see this in the memo, I know there's no jersey exchanges. Have, has the NFL said that they are not going to allow post-game fraternization of any kind? Because what you cannot have, well, by the way, that's idiotic what I just said. Coca, take it out of the show. Edit it out. There's fraternization in the huddle. That's with your own team. Take that out too. Start again. Three, two, one. Okay. The fraternization happens during a play when the defensive team is tackling the offensive team or on special teams on coverages. So the post-game fraternization, eliminating that really makes no sense at all because you've been fraternizing the entire time. So while Stefan Gilmore may feel a little guilty that he had a face-to-face with Patrick Mahomes after the game when the Chiefs and the Pats played, the fact of the matter is they probably had some face-to-faces during the game if you went back and looked at the game-by-game or play-by-play situation. Therefore, we should stop all fraternization pre-game, during the game, and post-game. Therefore, the new rules are that you will be down by contact when any player is within six feet of the offensive player with the ball. So it's not like flag football. It'll be if the defender's within six feet, the offensive player will be considered down. I'm going to bring that up for a possible rule change. What do you think, Coco? Got a chance? That's one way to get rid of the concussions. That's one way to get the youth playing football again. You don't have to worry about your kid being sick. The six-foot rule. Uh Uh-oh. Nothing personal word of the day. It's SpaghettiO. So Coca is just whispering in my ear. You don't have to whisper. They can't hear you when you're talking. That Tide is the sponsor of the post-game jersey swap. I actually remember that the NFL cut that deal, but I also believe that jersey swap is happening in a very controlled atmosphere that includes masks and social distancing. I don't think it's the Dwayne Wade situation in Coca where his last year in the NBA Remember that there'd be all these photo ops that he would trade jerseys on the court after every game. It'd be a big thing. Who's Dwayne going to exchange jerseys with? 
Anyway, let's get to baseball. Raise your hand if you watched 11 or 12 hours of baseball yesterday. With a switch to the NBA Finals game and the occasional look at your phone for Twitter and Instagram and getting your dopamine going because you're getting some likes and retweets, et cetera. Raise your hand. I did it. Every game started off with the Marlins playing game one against the Braves. What a game. So I need to clear up something that happened, and there is way too much misinformation out there, and it's time to cure that misinformation. The Braves and Marlins have a history of beanball. There's not a lot of love. The Braves were a huge rival of ours over my 18 years there, 16 years in, in uh, Florida and two years in Montreal. It was just something about the Braves. I always told you I was jealous about the Rays, but the Rays were in the AL East. I didn't have to deal with them much except six times a year when with the Marlins. But the Braves are just always there. They find a way to win. Now, they never can win the World Series. We've outwon them. I've got as many rings as the Braves do since 1996. I think I'm right. I think the Braves have won one World Series since 96 and the Marlins have won two, but I only have one of those. So I'm tied with the Braves, but the Marlins are ahead of the Braves two to one. But the Braves are in it every year. We talked maybe on a mailbag pod, which is that end of month where you rate and review on Apple and ask a question in the review. Thank you for doing that. Would you rather win the division every year? Would you rather win a World Series once and never win your division any year except the year you were a wild card and won the ring? So the Braves just find a way to win and they do it in a non-aggressive, non-offensive way. But what is interesting about them is that they just find good players. They sign good players. They have good pitching. They have deep lineups. They had more payroll flexibility. They just had all of the things that, that we sort of wanted. So the Marlins, we would hit the Braves because we would pitch inside. Urena was a pitcher that we had who's still with the Marlins right now. He got hurt, so he's not on the roster. But he had a history with Ronald Acuna, who is their young player, superstar, leadoff hitter, who signed that big long-term deal where everyone said Acuna left hundreds of millions of dollars on the table. And I said, but he's got $80 million if that was the contract. I can't remember, Coca. Did he get 86 guaranteed? Was it 90? Was it, could it be up to 100 with the team options? Whatever it was, it is life-changing, generational-changing money. But Acuna is very flashy. Acuna does not believe in the unwritten baseball rules. Acuna is a bat flipper. Acuna is a showman. Acuna is fun. He's fun to watch. He makes you think of Matata. You with me, Coca? Come on, man. Hakuna Matata, Lion King. Off Coca's focused on is telling me he's signing an eight-year, $100 million deal. Thank you. In any case, I love the way he plays. He leads off the game against Alcantara, which could be pronounced Alcantara, which could be pronounced Alcantara or Alcantara or Sandy. The number one starter for the Marlins, probably number one above Sixto Sanchez, although the Marlins have Pablo Lopez going in game two, as you know, who hasn't pitched in a bit. That's why he's going in game two. Leads off the game with a bomb. All right. 
normal, fine. Runs around the bases. You could see the Marlins seething. Fine. Marlins come back off Max Freed, score four runs. Max Freed hadn't given up four runs all year, earned runs, I believe. So the Marlins are feeling like, you know what? This could actually happen. If we can win game one, we only have to win two out of the next four. We've got Sixto Sanchez going. The Braves do not have a great rotation. We can get the starter out of the game, have a lead, have our starters do well, scrape some runs together, bing, bang, boom, and we're in the LCS against the Dodgers. All right, good plan. SpaghettiOs. Uh-oh. Acuna comes up. Second time at bat. Gets in the box. Boom. Sandy nails him right in the hip buttocks area. Acuna is furious, puts his bat down, walks in a circle, starts walking to first base via the infield grass. Talk about ignoring the crow. Instead of going home to first, he goes home, sort of veers off to the west, and then cuts off to the north. The umpires walk out. The players walk out. No bullpens, no benches clearing. But clearly, clearly we had a situation. An inning later, Don Mattingly is doing the in-inning interview, puts on the headsets with his gator under his nose that he kept pulling up, bless his soul. I can so picture talking to Donnie after every game. Donnie, could you please keep the gator above your schnoz, please? Donnie's asked by Tom Verducci, I believe, was the sideline reporter, and I don't believe it's called that in baseball. He was the empty stands reporter. Get it? That's what he was the, we could call him the cutout reporter, actually. He says, hey, tell me about that uh, hit-by-pitch there. And Donnie said, yeah, that we're just trying to bust Acuna inside. We can't let him lean over the plate because then he's got control of the whole plate. So, of course, we've hit him a few times, but it's by accident. Of course, we're just trying to get him off the plate. Now, I totally agree with getting players off the plate. As a pitcher, we tell our – as a front office guy, we tell our pitchers, you've got to own that plate. If someone is crowding the plate, you put him in. You go inside. Some pitchers are afraid to throw inside, actually. And sometimes when you try to go inside, you may do a plunk. All right, Don. Everyone believed you. Not me. I know what you did because we did it together. Of course you were hitting Acuna. You were up 4-1, feeling good about yourself. Do it. I'm in. I agree. Bop him. And, And Sandy bopped him in the right place. Here's the problem. In the playoffs, there's one thing you don't want, and that is ROB. There's a second thing you don't want, and that is to put an ROB on B when you're playing a team like the AB. You don't want runners on base when you're playing an offense like the Atlanta Braves. Shh. Don't wake Ozuna. You know Ozuna's nickname? I think his nickname is the Big Bear. I think we all used to call him that. I don't think I called him that. So it's not we all. I think I just called him O. In any case, I'm not flexing that either. We just, that's what he was referred to. He played for the Marlins when I was there. Can you imagine we had an outfield coke of Stanton, Ozuna, and Yelich? 
and we couldn't finish 500? How bad am I running a team that we had Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna in our starting outfield, an all-star outfield? Hold on, I'm getting a little verklempt. I'm completely despondent. I'm stopping. I don't want to do it anymore. This is just wrong. Couldn't even get to five freaking hundred. It's an outrage. All right, moving on. When you've got Ozuna, you've got Freeman, you've got Darno, you've got Duval, you've got Albies, you've got a lineup that is better than your lineup from one through nine. There's not one player on the Marlins offensively who can match up to one player on the Braves offensively. Why wake up the sleeping bear? Why put an extra runner on base? Why give them any bulletin board material? If you give up a home run to, to Acuna, here's how to get back at him. Get him out. So Alcantara hits him, and all of a sudden, the Braves come unglued. They're back in the game. Then they take the lead. They win the game. The Marlins are down one nothing, And I think that series has a real issue, whether it'll even go four. I'm okay with hitting a guy as long as you do it where you're supposed to do it and when you're supposed to do it, not in a playoff game. You got a chance for a ring, Donnie. All right. Stanton. Do you think, how do I feel when I watch Stanton go yard twice the way he did last night? Hits a three-run homer. So full disclosure, he and I are still in touch. We've known each other since he was drafted. And uh, he is a big fan of traveling. I'm a big fan of traveling. We talk about travel. We talk about baseball. Obviously negotiated that contract along with the owner and, and his agent. And we'll text back and forth. And we'll talk about his desire to win, his desire not to be hurt. A little nugget about the game last night, the Yankee game. Stanton drove in four runs with a, was it a two-run shot and a four-run shot and a three-run shot? Did he drive in five? I think he only drove in four. I think he hit a solo and then a three-run. The three-run home run was vintage Stanton. You had the announcer saying he's never seen anything like it, and I smiled because I was lucky enough to see things like it all the time. When he is hot like this and locked in like this, it is you got to treat him like bonds. Just put him on base. It's not worth it. It's simply not worth it. Now, I get it when he's not locked in. It's very easy to pitch to him because you just throw the sliders, throw the sliders. Don't hang them. As Hakeem Dermish would say, you hang them, we bang them. Hakeem Dermish, CBS Sports HQ anchor, loves baseball. You know what, Coco, we should do a sit down with Hakeem, actually. He is so much fun when I'm on the air with him on HQ. We have so much fun together and he loves baseball. He loves sports. We would have a fun because I think we could get him to really let loose in a sit down and talk about some fun ESPN stories, some fun CBS stories, and we could talk baseball. Well, let's talk about that after the show. Unless you want to talk about it now, Coca. He could be a Samson sit down. Do you, do you agree or not? He's ignoring me. 
This is what Coca does. By the way, as a producer, it's very funny. When I start talking about stuff he doesn't want to talk about, he just will stop talking. He'll stop writing in the document. He'll stop talking in my ear. He'll act as though he is literally on the toilet because he will worry for his job. Don't worry, Coca. Come on, man. It's almost a year. We're a week away from a year. What's the worst that'll happen? All right, that would be bad, but it won't. So Stanton, after the game, is not happy. And the reason why he's not happy is that when he doesn't win, he's not happy. He's not playing for stats. He's got the stats. He's not playing for contracts. He's got the contract. He's playing for jewelry. He would always see the World Series ring we had in 03, and he wants multiple World Series rings. He doesn't want to be the highest paid player, which he was for a while. He doesn't want to be the best player on a bad team. He doesn't want to be the third best player on a great team. He wants to be any player on a team that wins it all. And the Yankees could not win the game yesterday to go up 2 nothing. And here's why. Can someone tell me why Brian Cashman decided to start Garcia instead of Tanaka or Hap yesterday? Okay. So he didn't want to start Hap because Hap sucks. Fair enough. He didn't want to start Tanaka because he wanted to save him for a game three, which could be a closeout game if you're up to nothing, or it's a huge pivotal game three in a 1-1 series. Hmm. All right. That may make sense if you're playing against a team that also doesn't have pitchers who has to go a bullpen game in game three. But the Rays have Charlie Morton in game three, and they had Tyler Glasnow in game two. They've got a deep rotation. And you put pitchers in a position where they're not comfortable, and it costs you. They started the game with Garcia, so the Rays made their lineup as though Garcia were going to pitch. Then they pulled Garcia after an inning. They brought in Jay Happ, and then the Rays made one or two adjustments but won the game anyway because Hap stinks. Cashman was trying to be clever. Instead of letting his offense complement his mediocre starting pitching, his average to above average bullpen, and hope that the team never gets exposed by any other team starting pitching. And that hope has come to fruition because the offense has been unstoppable since the playoffs started. But it wasn't good enough. They had to act as though they're playing chess when everyone's playing checkers, that they're the smartest guy in the room. And it cost them. I would have started Tanaka and let him pitch. And the alternative, if you want to have Garcia pitch, let him go twice through the lineup. It's not like he had a bad first inning. Or if you want to go with Hap, which I never would have done, although with a one nothing lead, you think about it. No, I wouldn't. You go Hap and give him comfort that he is starting the way he normally does. Starting pitchers have routines. It's based on when first pitch is. When you ask a starter to come in in the second inning, by definition, their routine is different. Starting pitchers do long toss on the field. When you're coming in in the second inning, you're doing your warm-up in the bullpen. Starting pitchers start X number of minutes prior to the first pitch. 
You can't do that when you're coming in and you don't know exactly when the second inning will start because sometimes the Yankees have 30-minute offensive innings themselves. I believe the Yankees have the offense that could carry them through October. I've always told you they don't have the pitching. So I was very worried in the playoffs where defense seems to rule the day and pitching seems to rule the day that the Yankees would get exposed. That's why we chose the Rays in our prediction on nothing personal. I didn't realize the Yankees would make it that much easier for the Rays to win the series by making such back word decisions like they made in game two. Will it cost them? You bet your SpaghettiO it will. Well, they're not alone, though. They are not alone in terms of teams who are caught doing things, trying to be clever. Did you watch the Padres-Dodgers game? Well, I did. That was the last game of the quadruple header. We've got another quadruple header today on Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. Padres, game one pitcher, TBD. And then they deed it, and then they ate it. They determined it, then they announced it. Mike Clevenger, trade deadline acquisition extraordinaire. Number one pitcher now for the Padres. The man who's going to combine to both behave and work with Tatis to form a great one-two young punch to get the Padres not just into the playoffs, but maybe a World Series ring. Then Clevenger said, ooh, I got an impingement. I got some soreness. I can't pitch anymore. The Padres say, oh, God. All right, let him throw some bullpens. We're going to say he's going to be good for the playoffs. The Padres play a wild card series. Isn't this funny, Coca? I could not tell you who the Padres beat in the wild card round. I'm completely blanked. It was that long ago. Did they beat the Reds? I don't think so. They beat the Cardinals. Thank you. It's amazing. Yeah, I can't remember things. No, I'm not an ARP. I throw the envelope away every time it comes. It comes like once a week. Don't you get the hint? It's totally ripped up because I don't know if you know this out there. If you don't join ARP, it means you're not over 50. So the Padres announced that Clevenger is going to pitch game one, that they're going to add him to the division series roster, leaving him off the wildcard roster. And I was thinking to myself, there is no way his elbow impingement is gone. There simply is no way. And the reason why there's no way is that elbow impingements don't disappear in three weeks. It's minimum, in my mind, four to six weeks, closer to six weeks, and generally you're out. Because an elbow impingement, you cannot pitch with it. And when you do try to pitch through it, no matter how much Toradol you take, no matter how upset your stomach gets by that amount of Toradol, no matter how many injections you get, that potentially could puncture your lungs or puncture your tendon. You cannot get through the soreness that occurs and the injury that can take place that could shut you down for a season. Now, the irony of all this is that if you had a pitcher who was going to be a free agent, hey, pitch till your arm falls off. If you have a pitcher, you're not going to resign who you're going to trade. But if you have Clevenger and you're the Padres and you know that you've got him for two more years and you traded him for that very reason and you know you're tendering him a contract, 
in a season when so many players are not going to be tendered, where there's going to be so many free agents, but you've made your bed with Mike Clevenger, then what are you doing? Clevenger comes in, pitches the first inning, barely gets out of it without giving up a run to the Dodgers, comes out for the second inning, throws a pitch, it's 91. When we're watching our guys and we see a drop in velocity, we guarantee you that pitcher's hurt. It's not a mechanics issue. It's not an I'm grumpy issue. It's not my pregame meal stunk issue. It's not I've got the runs. It's not I've got the walks. It's none of that. It is a pitcher is hurt when he loses velocity. Hard stop. When he's throwing 91 instead of 96, there's a problem. So he throws a pitch, throws another pitch in the second inning. All of a sudden, out comes the trainer, and there goes Clevenger. He's done. What does that mean? The Padres had to go bullpen for eight innings. Well, actually, hold on. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. For seven innings of bullpen work. Is that right, Coca? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Because there was no ninth inning because the Dodgers were at home and they won. So I'm going to say seven innings. I'll check the box score. Either way, in a wild playoff scenario, where there are no off days in the division series. Did I properly cover up the fact that I was going to say wild card and it's division series, so I just made wild playoffs instead? There are no days off, which means the bullpen, if the Padres are going to win three out of the next four games, when it's not like they've got Clevenger to start, they don't have Lamette to start, they have Paddock, who's mediocre with a capital M. They need their bullpen. You needed to have someone else start that game. Now, with Clevenger hurt, you can replace him on the roster. If you replace an injured player on your division series roster, the rules are that player cannot be on your roster in the league championship series. Of course, when you're a team who has an injured player, you don't think that way because you know with an elbow impingement with his soreness, he's not pitching again this season. And the odds are you're not going to get through the Dodgers anyway. So you're going to replace him. Do you replace him with a starter? I think you replace him with a bullpen arm who can give you length, a multi-inning bullpen arm. What were the Padres thinking? My guess is they were just delusional and not thinking a thing. When we come back, we're going to talk about Chris Pine and whether he considers himself a lucky, lucky man. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. You know we watch a movie every day or a TV show. It's hard during these quadruple headers, but it's easy because I'm not sleeping at all. So what's the difference? So there was a superhero movie I hadn't seen, and it was available always on pay-per-view. And I don't know whether it's on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon. You can always find everything on Amazon if you want to pay a buck or $3.99. I decided it was time. I'm a Linda Carter guy. Linda Carter played Wonder Woman on a TV series back in the day. She was, along with Farrah Fawcett and Charlie's Angels, Jacqueline Smith, and Maude Adams, the Bond girl in Octopussy. These were the women who informed my childhood. And I really wasn't interested in seeing a reboot of Wonder Woman. It just, it wasn't going to be Linda Carter. It's going to be someone named Gal Gadot. But we do a show every day. I'm watching movies and I decided I'm going to watch it. So I took a deep breath. I closed my eyes and I kept one eye a little tiny bit open the way you do when you're watching a horror movie, which I don't watch, but any sort of scary movie when they're playing movie music, when you know something bad's going to happen, but maybe it's just the music that's bad and nothing bad's going to happen, but they want to play that music to make you think something bad's going to happen because they think that you then like watching a movie that makes you feel that way, which some people do, which I don't. So I'm watching it with my eyes sort of closed. And there starts the movie. Within three minutes, my eyes were wide open. Forget the fact that she's gorgeous. She was phenomenal in this movie about female empowerment, about a superhero. It's a movie about how she decides to save a village. She enlists the help of a equally attractive Chris Pine. I don't know how they get his eyes that blue on camera. Could that be uh, Coca, like a, um, what's that when you, when you eye shop a photo to make your eyes look a different color? That's not the word for it, but it's a word when you do something to a fo- Photoshop. When you Photoshop, man, right there. Tip of the old tonguer. I don't know if they made his eyes bluer in post-production, but I was as infatuated with Chris Pine's eyes as I was with Gal Gadot's costume. She acted fine. The movie is fine. The action sequences are fine. The story is fine. Overall, it's fine. It's beautiful to look at. It's filmed well. The stunts and the the green screen stuff that that all of these, you know, DC and Marvel movies have, it's fine. It's good. It's good. But when it comes to playoff sports and the NFL season and the NBA finals and MLB having these great playoff games, you don't need to watch Wonder Woman right now. All right, Coca. I think we got to talk about Doc. I really do. 
I think we have to. What's up, Doc? All right. In the NBA, we had a situation. And we discussed it a couple days ago where Doc Rivers joined the Philadelphia 76ers as their head coach. And I thought that'd be enough of a conversation. We talked about it a bit. But then Doc Rivers got introduced and met the media. And we've got a whole new topic here on Nothing Personal. So Doc Rivers gets fired by Balmer. He then goes and watches what I thought think may have been game one of the NBA finals with Harrison Blitzer, the owners of the Sixers. He then signs a five-year deal, snip, snap, crackle, pop. I get it. Why did Doc have to say what he said? Here's his quote, and it's pretty special, actually. I love coaching. I absolutely love it. But I was not going to just coach anybody. I can tell you that. I was ready to take a break. It just depended on the team that was available. And if that team, in my opinion, was ready to win. Now, when coaching jobs open, by definition, there's been some sort of miscommunication between ownership and the GM and ownership and the GM and the players because the owner thought that team was ready to win, but the team didn't win, so they fired the coach, which is why there's a coaching opening. There is no coach who gets fired when the team is winning, unless you're Joe Girardi, except he was under 500 when he got fired by us. Yes, he was. He finished 79 and 83. That's under 500. Okay, folks, leave it alone. I understand he was manager of the year, but leave it be. The 76ers are a team that can't win the way they are currently constituted. It had nothing to do with Brent Brown. For whatever reason, Ambeed and Simmons are not the pair. And even when they brought in Horford, Horford and Ambeed can't play well together under any scenario. They're actually a better team when one of them's on the bench or hurt. But Doc... Were you thinking of taking over a team that had a coaching change that couldn't get better and you're just being brought in at five to $10 million a year just to mine the gap? The example of that may be the Astros when Dusty Baker came in to take over for Cora because of sign stealing, but even the Astros had lost Cole to the Yankees. And why would you say that you weren't going to just coach anybody and that you love coaching. If you love coaching, why do you need a break? If you absolutely love coaching, then why does it depend on what team was available? Doc, I love you from your time on the Knicks. I I just do. And I, I, I have great respect for you. But why not just take the microphone and say, listen, I'm a coach. It's what I do. When I get fired, I want to get hired again. As you saw when I left the Magic and joined the Celtics. As you saw when I left the Celtics and joined the Clippers. As you're seeing when I left the Clippers and I'm joining the Sixers. I want to coach. I get paid a lot of money and I love coaching. 
I know I'm taking over a flawed team. I know that I'm going to have to try to make changes because whatever was happening here wasn't working. I'm not throwing ownership under the bus. I'm not throwing Brent Brown under the bus. I'm not saying that Joel Embiid can't be a championship player, nor can Horford, nor can Simmons. I'm saying they weren't all together. Therefore, I'm going to do what I do best. He said that he needed, in his opinion, a team ready to win. But when asked about Embiid, he said, you know, I've only been hired. I haven't even gotten to watch video. So does that mean that you don't know whether the team was ready to win or the owners convinced you the team was ready to win? Because every owner thinks their team is ready to win every year. Even during a rebuild, they think their team is ready to win. It just didn't pass the smell test to me, Doc. I think you've got a chance with the Sixers. I really do. As long as there's some significant personnel changes. Welcome back to the NBA. We missed you for those two days. Nothing personal pick of the day. Nailed it. Nailed it. Statement game for the Dodgers. Remember we talked about how the Dodgers are the Pistons and the Padres are the Bulls before the Bulls could beat the Pistons. The Padres will eventually get over the top with the superstar power they have with Tatis and Machado, et cetera, et cetera. But NTY, not this year. Dodgers made a statement. Of course, there would be no hit till the sixth inning by the Padres bullpen game after Clevenger had to leave in the second inning throwing two pitches. But all of that said, Mookie Betts got a hit. They had scored an under and run. They put a bunch of hits together and the game was over. 5-1, Dodgers win. We're up a touchdown, 24-17. and 17. I'm going to say it one more day, Coco. We should be 25-17 and 17 because we had the Astros beating the A's when they did in game one. Whatever. But I'm so pissed that you won't let me count it even though you saw it on the document, that my pick today is going back to the Astros. The Astros, this is what Coke is doing to distract me during the show by saying if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, that means that the tree didn't fall or does it? Coca, when I send the show topics that I want to do and then you and I talk about the show and we formulate a show and you see what the nothing personal pick of the day is, that's the pick of the day. Anyway, I'm going back to the Astros. That series is over. I picked the Astros. I thought they'd win in five. So that wait to see what the Astros in five is going to be split because the Astros are going to win the series, but it's going to be in three. The Astros are going to sweep away the A's today. It's unreal. Guess what? MLB is going to be just fine. You're all going to be despondent. MLB is going to be thrilled. Because remember what MLB doesn't want, the same thing I never wanted running a team, the same thing no company ever wants, apathy. Hate me, bring it on. Love me, eh, maybe once you get to know me. But don't have no opinion. God, that's too many negatives. Have an opinion. Don't be apathetic. MLB wants the Astros in the LCS. It's a great story. Astros will sweep the A's. So you know my way to see. Wait to see is when we say something's going to happen. If it happens, we'll tell you. If it doesn't happen, we'll tell you. Last night, the Lakers went up against the Heat. Bam, Adebayo tried to play, and he did. But the Lakers were just too much. Lakers up three games to one in that series. The NBA is off until Friday now. They're not playing every other day. Guess what? LeBron James is about to win his fourth title. The Heat had a hell of a run. The Lakers are just a better team because they've got two better players, James and Davis, who are better than any player on the Heat. 
compliments to Pat Riley for putting this team together and Spolster for coaching it, but the Lakers are going to win the title. LeBron is going to get his fourth ring on Friday. Who will watch it? That'll be a wait to see. How many millions? That'll be a wait to see. But the Lakers clinch the title on Friday. They are going to take care of business. And then LeBron is going to walk off the court. And he's going to look at Pat Riley. And he's going to say, hey, it's nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.